Welcome to our service podcast. Each week, we will have a different presentation, including different chants, different speakers, and different Dharma messages. In this program, we will participate in both seated and standing meditation, sutra chanting, and a Dharma message. From this program, we hope that you can gain some insight into the Buddhist teachings and into yourself. Please be seated, and we will prepare for seated meditation. Whether you're in a chair or on the floor, you want to sit with your back very straight, shoulders relaxed, eyes half open, half closed, gazing at a spot two or three feet in front of you on the floor at about a 45 degree angle, hands placed in your lap. Try to find a position uh, that we can hold without fidgeting. This is a prescribed, suggested posture, uh, but feel free to modify it as you see fit. Meditation is not supposed to be agony. So the suggested posture is to sit with a very straight back, whether you're sitting on the floor or in a chair. You want your back very straight. You don't want to have any weight leaning forwards or back. It can cause stress. Or left to right. We suggest you kind of rock forwards and backwards until you find that spot front to back that's balanced. And then you could rock left to right until you feel balanced in the middle. And then you want to have your eyes half open and half closed, gently gazing at a spot in front of you on the floor at about a 45 degree angle. We suggest this because if you have your eyes completely closed, it's easy to become drowsy and sleepy. And if your eyes are completely open, it's easy to be distracted by motion or light in the room. And then breathing, it's suggested that you breathe in through your nose by forming a vacuum with your tongue and the roof of your mouth leaving your jaw relaxed and open about a half an inch, and then breathe through your nose, down into your diaphragm, down into your stomach. The other thing you can do, there's a couple positions for your hands. You could take your left hand and place it in the palm of your right hand, touch the tips of your thumbs together, and then hold that in front of your lower abdomen with your elbows out. Another posture is to take the tips of your finger and thumb and touch them together on each hand and then pointing the remaining three fingers away from you, placing the back of your hands onto the top of your thighs. And be aware of your thoughts. Don't judge them and just watch them come and go. It takes time, but it works. And we will begin with gasho. In Buddhism, gasho is a form of bowing. Uh, It's much like uh, namaste in yoga. And gasho literally means to put one's palms together So what we do is we place our left and right hand together with our palms, and then we uh, hold our thumbs and our hands against our chest or sternum, and then we have our hands held at about a 45-degree angle. And then we slowly bow forwards another 45 degrees until our hands are parallel with the ground, and then we come up. And this is called gasho. It's a Buddhist bowing, a posture of humility and respect and refuge. And after we gasho, we say Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts. And that is the sound of enlightenment, much like Namaste. And we say it to each other, and we're saying it as we receive the teachings and as we are with the Buddha in this meditation service. Place your hands together, and we will bow and gasho. And then at the sound of the bell, we'll begin, and then we will end with the bell.
please join me in God's show. Naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts, naman doubts. Take a moment to stretch your legs, and we will have standing meditation. The feet should be about shoulder width apart, with the knees bent slightly. Upper body position is the same. Back straight and centered, shoulders relaxed, eyes half open. Standing in this way is a reminder that we can extend this way of being to our life when we're not engaged in meditation per se. We might be having to wait for someone to arrive or wishing some person would help us. They don't seem to be interested in our problem. Instead of becoming upset and agitated, we can have a moment of standing meditation.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 We will begin our second seated meditation. Please be seated. You can resume your former position. Again, back straight, eyes lowered, hands resting comfortably in your lap, legs crossed, or sitting in a chair. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz. We will now have sutra chanting. A sutra is a sacred scripture from Buddhism. These originated long ago in India and in China. The text that we chant is actually Chinese, a translation from Sanskrit originals. Is it necessary to understand the meaning of what we're chanting? Of course, not at the outset. We don't know anything about it when we first begin. But I believe that we should aim to understand what the sutra is teaching us. We should have a basic awareness of its content. These are the teachings of our Shin Buddhist tradition, after all. For that reason, we provide in the Shin Buddhist service book some pages of explanation and some English translations. What we experience by chanting, I would say, has three aspects. The first aspect is meditative, like sitting or standing or breathing. Chanting forces us to focus our attention on the present moment, and it helps to calm our minds. Second, there is a ritual aspect. We are reenacting something that's taken place countless times over the centuries. We are connecting with the many followers of our Buddhist tradition who have chanted these same words, and we are gaining a sense of oneness with the other people who are chanting at this time, perhaps listening to this podcast. Third, there is a learning aspect. This is to gain a little bit of knowledge of what the meaning of the characters that we chant are, and we do that separately, I would say, from actual chanting. All right, we're going to chant uh, Jusege on page 39. Jusege is another poem or verse that can be found in the larger sutra. First, you have the Sambutsuge. Then you have the 48 vows by the aspiring student claiming and proclaiming his desire to seek Buddhahood. And then after that, Jusege stands for repeated vows. So three of these 48, he considers to be the essence of his practice, and he repeats these three vows. And again, italicized lines are leader lines, open circles are bells, underlines are a beat and a half, and that means the next kanji character or sound is going to get a, a half beat. And we chant down the first column, reading left to right, and then down the second column, reading left to right. And then as we get about two-thirds of the way down the second column, you'll see that line has all underscores on it, ko, ku, sho, tenin, to u chin myo ke. So we're slowing down. I've mentioned before that the first two bells means we're beginning a chant. And then that single bell there means that we're changing a section. And it's a little bit like a train. You start out chanting slow, you speed up, and then you come into the station and slow down. And then we do Namuami Dabutsu as we do on all of our chanting. And then we end with the Ekoku. Dangon Cho Sengam Oh, <laughs> 
self. I wanted to share a few thoughts about the ego self. The ego self is an important concept in Buddhism. 
We could spend hours discussing it. But right now, let's just dip a toe into what can be a deep and sometimes confusing topic. One reason it can be confusing is that we hear the term ego a lot in both psychology and popular culture. In Freudian psychology, ego has a specific definition. It refers to the conscious or rational part of our personality, basically the adult part of our mind. In popular culture, ego has a different and often negative meaning, usually associated with self-importance, of thinking too highly of yourself. We might describe a particular celebrity or politician or professional athlete as having a big ego or being an egomaniac. In Buddhism, we often use the term ego-self, which refers to something related to, but different from, those other definitions of ego. The ego-self is the part of us that believes that there is an I or a me, a permanent, separate, unique self. We all want to think that we have a distinct identity, some unchanging essence that we can identify as me. But from a Buddhist perspective, that is not true. One of the fundamental teachings of Buddhism is non-self, the truth that we have no permanent, unchanging self. What we think of as a self is in reality just a collection or bundle of mental events and perceptions. In Sanskrit, these are called skandhas. In English, they are sometimes called the aggregates. The aggregates basically fall into five categories. They include one, our physical form, two, sensations or feelings, three, perceptions, which include most of what we would describe as conscious thinking or reasoning, four, mental formations, including habits and prejudices, and five, consciousness, which could be described as awareness without labeling. So I don't actually have a solid, fixed identity. What I think of as me is just a never-ending flow of feelings and observations and reactions that are constantly changing in response to what is going on all around me. The Buddhist idea of non-self isn't easy to understand. And what makes it even harder is that, as human beings, we are desperately attached to the illusion that we have a permanent, separate self. My ego self tells me that I am unique and special. It's scary to think that I have no independent and fixed identity. Because if that's true, then what am I? Who am I? And what can I rely on? Clinging to the idea that we have a self causes much of our suffering in life. If there is an I, that means that everything outside of me is other, something separate from me. The ego self is the part of us that looks at everything only in relation to ourselves, what I think, how it affects me, what is mine. We attach to things we like and feel an aversion to things we dislike. The ego self is the part of us that looks at every object and person and situation in a dualistic way and makes a judgment about it. This is good, or this is bad. This is right, or this is wrong. I like this, or I hate this. The ego self is the part of us that gets hurt when somebody says something mean to us, that becomes enraged 
when someone cuts us off in traffic, that feels sad when we lose a treasured possession, that thinks we will be happy if we buy that car or get that job or lose that weight. It's the part of us that makes us upset if something difficult or tragic happens to us. Ultimately, the sense of self-centeredness that arises from the ego self blinds us to two great Buddhist truths, impermanence and interdependence. Impermanence, which is that everything changes and nothing lasts. Interdependence, which means that everything in the world is connected and affects everything around it. Our ego self is always busily at work, thinking, judging, deciding. It is constantly attaching and hanging on to things. That keeps us from seeing reality as it is. It is a barrier that keeps us from understanding the truth of impermanence and interdependence. How do we break through that barrier? One way is through meditation, like the sitting and standing meditations that we do at our temple. By sitting quietly, observing but not judging, calming and quieting our minds, we can silence, at least for a few moments, the voice of our ego self. When we do that, then we open ourselves to understanding impermanence and interdependence in a real and not an abstract way. And we can truly see ourselves and others with the eyes of oneness and compassion. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namanda Butsu. Namanda Butsu. Namanda Butsu. This concludes our podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and gained something from this segment. Please join us again. And thank you. Today's program was presented by Minister's Assistant Janice Hirohama Reverend John Turner Reverend Ellen Crane and Minister's Assistant James Pollard Executive Producers Reverend John Turner and Jim Scott Produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church Anaheim, California, USA Directed and engineered by Reverend John Turner. Edited by Jim Scott. This program includes excerpts from Time Stood Still by Riley Lee, used with permission. This program is copyright 2020, Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved. For more information about this or other podcasts, groups, and activities, BCE classes, or temple services, visit us on the web at ocbuddhist.org.